it's not a money value success. Sometimes just being able to make a choice that gets you to a different level or a different perspective in your business, that is something to celebrate. And just celebrating the journey of being an entrepreneur. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Today, I am with Mieko Ozeki. She is a mompreneur and she owns a marketing firm called Radiance Studio. She also is the co-founder of Vermont Womenpreneurs and that is where we met. I recently got a little bit more involved in that organization and sponsored uh, a workshop. And so I wanted to chat with her a little bit more and break money silence about her passion for women and entrepreneurship. So Mieko, welcome to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me on here. Yeah, I'm really excited to get to know a little bit more about you um, and share your passion for women and small business with uh, our listeners. So let's just start there. You know, what makes you so passionate about women and entrepreneurship, so much so that you would co-found an organization uh, to really help women advancing in their careers? I started this kind of passion for having my own business Right around like just before I turned 30. And that's because up to that point, I've been 10 years into all my different professions. And I've started to observe myself of like, what am I really good at? I'm good at rallying for other people. (laughs) I'm good at collaborating with other people. I'm also good at basically kind of look uh, looking at myself and looking at other folks from 30,000 feet and developing a portfolio, a story, and then transmitting that into a website or social media. And social media obviously was kind of the, the starting up around the mid 2000s. And so those are the things I was like, oh, I'm really into this. This is something I can really do. I could take the hard copy of a portfolio and bring it out into kind of social media and getting people to feel confident about themselves, about projecting their what is their, their personal brand or their reputation. And because I was also watching of how I was doing that myself in all my other previous careers. So it took a while to understand like that is going to be the business I want to do. It's more of a service business. And really when it re- the kind of 
became a reality is when I've been offering all these little classes through different organizations about personal branding. And this was in addition to all the other work I was doing in a whole separate career in the world of sustainability and working in colleges in particular. My boss at the time, who is the most supportive mentor I've had, and I've had many mentors, but definitely was the most supportive mentor I've had to date, she looked at me and she goes, you know, we don't pay you for this, right? Um, <laughs> you need to do, you need to create something separate so you get paid adequately for this. And well, that was the impetus being like, well, how hard is it going to to start a LLC? And I, it wasn't really that hard. And I was very grateful to local organizations like Vermont Small Business Development Center actually helped me develop my business plan. And then, and then I got myself registered. So from there, I kind of, kind of just let, like, I just kind of started to just learn incrementally, taking a couple of workshops and everything else. But I was also always, that was, you know, that my business has always been a side hustle until basically four years ago. Up to that point, I was basically working for other organizations using my same essential fix-it professional reputation to fix organizations and all that stuff. Yeah, essentially, kind of that was kind of the turning point for me was, oh, I got to, like, I really, really fully wanted to be my own person and be able to be my own boss and do my own thing. What I love, yeah. I'm going to jump in here. What I love yeah. is that your your boss, your mentor at the time was really wanting you to be compensated for this additional work that you were doing. And so I think we need to do that for everybody in our lives, but certainly for women. And so now that you've been full-time in your own business and you're still doing a lot of different things, what is your favorite part about being a business owner? Having my own time, <laughs> being able to pick my own projects. So those rather than chasing projects. So I haven't really had to chase projects, which has been wonderful. And I know a lot of people, that's what they have to do in putting out proposals. But um, yeah, I've, I've really, I think because of my professional reputation and everything that I've built up up to this point and my portfolio, being able to speak out, speak and do the things that I've done, it's been great that people have been like, oh, would you like to be involved with this or that? And not having to do a whole lot of, overselling myself. <laughs> so Which I really is like ironic that. because you you have a marketing company. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> which is but, great. But, but in a different way. I think it's so important, you know, this there's I know there's a difference between a personal brand and a business brand and sometimes they kind of overlap, but I do feel the importance of we trust a person first and foremost when we're asking for a service or when we're buying a product. And so it's by building on that, I think it's that 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 is as helpful then to just be like, well, here's the service and here's the price point and all that stuff. I think you have to invest in your personal brand before kind of trying to be like, oh, we're just selling a product and no one knows who's behind it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think one of the things that I do when I coach women and women entrepreneurs is making sure that they understand their unique value, understand their story. And sometimes, and certainly in my own experience as a business owner, it takes a while to trust that that's going to be enough. But often when you get to that place where you're relationship selling, you know kind of what makes you unique, that people come to you. And it sounds like for you, you had that street cred when you started your business, which is great. So well, it takes confidence. It takes time, right? To build that. And yeah. also to get past that point. And what I 
to get past that point of like, I don't know if like people really should listen to me to being like, no, I, I feel the authority for people to listen to me and, and be able to provide that guidance. And, and I, and it starts with when I've, I'm around womenpreneurs who come to our coffee events at Vermont Womenpreneurs, it starts with women being able to, even in a simple introduction, hi, my name is, this is my business and I'm a business owner. Like there's so much power to be able to embrace that. And I've had I've had moments where I've watched women who are like, they project that, they share that uh, with a group of strangers and they pause and they're going, I just said that. I, I, I've just declared that I am this. And that means so much. I love that. I love that. So your favorite part is control over time and flexibility. You're obviously passionate about what you do. What's your least favorite part about business? We often don't talk about, you know, what are the parts of business that we think, oh, it'd be great if we didn't have this. Um, my least favorite part is really just trying to map all of the like where the where the money is uh-huh. so like you know essentially it's more of like the bookkeeping um as much as i understand to a certain degree or the accounting i it's just not like obviously that's not my passion right i'd rather just do the thing just do it send in my paperwork and somebody else does it <laughs> Well, and what you raised is a really important issue, I think, for women in business and and men in business is the idea that you don't have to be passionate about the financial side. You just have to be aware enough to be able to delegate it in a responsible way. Um, Some people would assume, given my background and my resume, that I just love that part of my business. And I have to tell you, I do not. (laughs) I have a great bookkeeper. I have a great financial team. So I think it's wonderful that we can admit that, hey, finance may not be our top priority, but it's important as part of a sustainable, profitable business. That's one of the things I invested in. Actually, so I've I've had my business for over 10 years and it took me about halfway through to be like, okay, I think I'm in a good place right now that I'm like, I'm going to start investing in having a bookkeeper. And I've, I've actually gone through two bookkeepers. <laughs> um, and that was all what it came down to was the relationship and whether it's not more than that they did the task, but whether I like trust that they were able to carry out and be able to then tell me how things are going with my like the business in terms of looking at the back end like interpreting the numbers as much as i'm you know projecting a narrative to them about what the the numbers i wanted to hear back from them what they're seeing and so it took me a long time to find the right person yeah that match is really important whether it's a financial advisor bookkeeper what you know whatever it might be And, and so what is interesting though in terms of breaking money silence is it isn't just about pushing it off to somebody it's about then having a dialogue about what those numbers mean and i feel really fortunate i have somebody that i found when i moved to vermont seven years ago that i really really like and trust but certainly i've gone through other professionals where it they're not bad people it's just not the right fit (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. So one of the things that I noticed about Vermont womenpreneurs is that it's different than the traditional model of entrepreneurship, or it's, you know, it's a little bit of a different organization, which I really love. So tell the listeners a little bit about how your model might be a little bit different than maybe another organization that focuses in on uh, the same idea of, you know, business and enterprise. Sure. 
One of the things I find with building Vermont Womanpreneurs with my co-founder is that we're trying to take the ickiness out of networking, first and foremost. So <laughs> I love that. That should be your tagline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, it's a culture shift. So I, I, as a background, I grew up in New York City and in that place, it's transactional. It's A to B kind of culture. I'm going to get something, quid pro quo, all that other stuff. And there's something about that that feels if you're on the receive, if you're on the receiving end of that kind of relationship, it feels you, you feel like you know somebody has taken the resource out of you, and you then have to go and seek somebody else to help replenish you, right? And it's just this constant harvesting of resources, ideas, and everything else. And so there's nothing mutual about it. It's not relationship building. And also, the the the, the a lot of these kind of communities are built on this like hyper like what's my ROI on this relationship? And you know, not naming certain organizations like that is you know when you but that's talk icky in who, itself. That just makes yeah. Me and ugh. when you talk to so you talk to people who you know like if you're trying to get them involved in another organization that does like it's just it the only the value set is a little bit different. I've de- definitely come across folks who are like, well, what's the ROI of me being part of this network, right? Like if who's in it, you know, like they're supposed to be getting something out of like, you know, if you have a big name or something like that. And I always felt that that is, you know, one, it's a lost opportunity to meet other people and diversify your perspective. The other part is like you're losing out on the potential of really, truly good collaborative experiences, things that can help elevate. I mean, this was kind of like it came naturally out of uh, when I left my last full-time job, it really came out of a place of like uh, uh, the values for Vermont Womenpreneurs came out of a reflection of what did I do well as somebody who can facilitate something. And I knew that what I was good at, and this is, here's marketing for you. Make sure you have things grouped in the same letter. Um, <laughs> I know how to convene people. I've managed, and I knew how to get people to meet with one another. And I've found ways professionally to get people, and my, including myself, to collaborate without being the center of that collaboration, you know, and fostering those kind of things. And because I mentioned as like, I've been a cheerleader. I cheerlead for other people's like success and success meaning something like it's not a money value success. Sometimes just being able to make a choice that gets you to a different level or a different perspective in your business, that is something to celebrate and just celebrating the journey of being an entrepreneur and being able to be a connector. So those are the things that you know, I've been able to harness from all my past careers and then be able to infuse in developing this community with my, my partner, Bethany Andrews Nichols. Um, so I, I have yeah. to say, just for listeners who weren't sitting here really paying attention to the alliteration, because I'm a alliteration junkie <laughs> as an author, uh, convene, collaborate, cheerlead, celebrate, and connect. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic, one of the things we came up with was the other, the next C we came up with was care. Um, that really came out a lot too during the, uh, during the shutdowns. We went from being like, we'll meet in person to do our monthly coffees to, all right, we're going to go on Zoom. We're going to resume on connecting with people, listening to where people are at. 
you know, and with their business. And, you know, of course we follow the whole wave of the, the panic, the unknown, and it's still, we're still there, but things, people are still figuring out things. And one of the, one great things about the, those meetings, no matter whether they're zoom or in person, although in person is really preferable is that I find every time everyone, the next meeting, somebody is like, I'm so glad I got to meet somebody even virtually and I'm able to do X, right? Like this helped me to do X. Um, and just being able to foster those, those, those re- the potential relationships has been really good and keep, keeping people on the momentum with their business. So you actually firsthand were really involved with a lot of business owners during the pandemic. And I'm curious, just from your perspective, what do you think the biggest negative impact has been on women in business? And also, if there's a silver lining, what what was that? The biggest impact on women, women in business has been the bandwidth to just do the the functions that they had normally thought they would do with their business. So, you know, if they were used to pre-pandemic of doing like they had their their procedures, well, now kind of COVID added a a couple of things. It added this kind of extra weight on your shoulders, right? With the invisible weight that whether it had to do something with, you know, just the ability to navigate, you know, navigate, reaching out to your customers. I mean, it kind of that it, I think more than anything, that way of like, you don't know how to commute, you start, you, you kind of can't, don't know, can't figure out like how you're going to communicate with your audience because you don't know how, what, how they're going to react and you don't know how they're going to feel because, you know, we're all in this psychological, I don't, uh, I don't know, fog. Still, I think we're still there. Yes. I, I think, think it's been more traumatic than we've. Yeah. We so think. there's that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that. I think the silver lining, though, is then the, on the other side, you know, whether you're a, a current business owner, it's it's that this forced you to figure out what wasn't working, mm-hmm. and figure out different, modify your business and do different solutions, or it gives an opportunity to adapt. And for some people, they've taken this opportunity and be like, you know what, this first iteration of my business, I'm gonna close it out because it it wasn't working. Right. For whether for your personal life or whether professionally monetary, it's like you were just spinning your wheels. And so you can come to that reality with that. And then for other people, we've seen so many and it's been recorded so many new businesses and particularly Mm -hmm. women owned businesses emerge from this. And I would say, you know, as much as there is a shortage in labor, I do think that this is a period of time that women will get to figure out whether being a business owner is for them, right? Whether this is, this is, they can adapt their lifestyle and they can, you know, keep producing, whether it's as physical products or doing services like this, if this, they figured out a way to be able to run that. And then the other part is then they're going to the next stage of how do you make your business a business, right? From hobby to business. Because I think some people are still in the, this is going to be, it's like a little bit of a hobby and they haven't gotten the systems down. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, time goes so fast on this podcast (laughs) and I just want to make sure that we talk a little bit about, you know, with all of your experience, if you were to go back in time, Mako, and you said, hey, what's the one piece of advice I would give my younger self? And that could be personally, that could be professionally. What would it be and why? 
I would say have more courage in your ability mm-hmm. and don't sit <laughs> sit in a situation that is toxic and endure it. You know, you don't need to. I've been in plenty of organizations where I was like, I should have left. <laughs> I should have left earlier. And if I had left earlier, I think I would have gone on to learn something new or new in another place or, you know, started my business earlier. So basically, if you're in a situation and it feels toxic, get out and have the courage to get out because there's going to be some sort of gift or something on the other side. Yeah. That's a great piece of advice. Meiko, tell people where they can find out more about you because you have so many interesting things going on in your career and in your life. And I want to make sure that they can follow all of them. (laughs) Sure. Um, We have a big following on our Instagram feed at uh, VT Womenpreneurs. And also we have our website at vtwomenpreneurs.com. We run a host of events. And more importantly, um, in terms of being time-based, next year in 2022, in May, we will be holding our Vermont Womenpreneurs Summit. And you know, we're always looking for people to speak on stage and participate in that. Excellent. Now, if you were the only other question I have to ask, I know that was the last question, but um, if you are outside of Vermont, certainly you can check uh, you out on Instagram, but can they connect with you uh, at, at Radiance if you work yes. uh, virtually with people? Yeah. So tell people I that website as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we, uh, so I do a lot of workshops around personal branding and kind of content management and content strategy and that I can be reached at radiantstudiosllc.com. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes. And thank you so much for breaking Money Silence with me today. Thank you very much. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, Be Well. PlanWell, Be Well is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.